Greetings, this is The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things narrative, story, and publishing. I'm Dean Karpowitz. I'm Sarah Willis. I'm Daniel Becker. And I'm Molly Grassel. Today on the show, LGBTQ plus representation in games. And it's Pride Month. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> and we're recording during Pride Month, which is nice. It's not like a pre-recorded Pride Month recording. That comes out in like September. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so let's start right away with uh, what we think, uh, get which games get it right? Which, what are some of the representations of LGBTQ plus characters in games that we like? What are our favorites? And then what do you guys think getting it right means? Well, that's the big question. I feel like in order to say who gets it right, you really have to first define what is right. What is the right, right representation of queer characters? And I feel like that start, it, it seems like a simple question. And, and in preparation for this episode, I felt like it was a lot more complicated to think about than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Me too. I think people overcomplicate that idea a lot because I think that Everybody thinks that there's a lot of nuance and a lot of subtlety, perhaps. And I think that that might be an element of it. But like, as far as I'm concerned, basic representation, basic getting it right is treating queer people like people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I agree with you. And I think the tricky part, especially, and I'll talk about later about one of the indie games I played, um, unlike race depiction, typically, you know, when you have representation and it's appearance-based, it's really easy to get right away. They don't have to have a sign saying, you know, I'm I'm black or I'm Latino or whatever, because mm -hmm. normally they look, you know, like not a white person. So you get more diverse representation. But for queer characters, unless romance is part of the narrative, sometimes because they are just people, the representation is not obvious. And if it's not handled correctly, it can feel shoehorned or feel like they become a token. Mm -hmm. So you feel like it some in some ways relies on that the idea that it's it's sex based, right? We have and I feel like it shouldn't be, right? Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. But then how do they how does that get across in the story? Because sometimes video games, the story is not as in-depth as like a novel where you know you're you're getting to know this character where it becomes obvious. So how do how did they translate this piece of the character's identity in a genuine, not weird way? Mm, yeah, yeah. In some ways, getting it right is not writing a queer, a narrative that focuses on being queer, right? It's being a person. And right. so it's not it's not that idea that there's an amount of oppression, there's an amount of discrimination that's associated with this. And so it it's uh, I found it very complicated because you want those, you know, an understanding of the struggle. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you want what Molly's talking about. You want you want people. You don't want you want you don't want them to be reduced to their mm -hmm. queerness. You yeah. don't want that. You yeah. want it to be a piece of them, an important piece of them, but just a piece of them. Right. So let's talk games. Wh which games 
do this or which games don't, um, but you still love? Well, I went through, because I really started thinking about it, and I was like, is there characters that maybe I wasn't aware uh, were gay or had forgotten were gay? And <laughs> one of the characters that I can't believe I forgot was like Borderlands, uh, Mad mm-hmm. Moxie. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, as much as I like her character, perhaps the tropiest yeah. of by character representation because she's just mm-hmm. like a sex symbol. Yeah, she's nothing right. but a thirst trap. Yeah, <laughs> Not right, right. What Molly's giving a hmm? What you, <laughs> no, she's that's an disagree. upset sound. I'm mad. Why? Because <laughs> there is the obvious stereotype of if you don't just like boys or you don't just like girls, that obviously you are a sex crazed maniac or right. super attractive. And I, some people are, but not just by people and not only that, that's not, that's not all of us. Then, yeah. You know. And I, I shouldn't speak before we bash Borderlands for doing this improperly. <laughs> I did not know that in Borderlands 2, Axton is by, he's one of the, Playable characters, I believe. Yeah, that was in his bio. I remember that. Oh. And see, and I did not realize that. So, not a super flag waving, garish representation as Mad Moxie. So, I don't know. You know, they have a good a good example and a bad example, maybe in the same game. And I don't know is is it a bad example that she is a little garish? Is that not acceptable? I, it gets <sighs> it does start to get a little complicated. Sure, sure. Yeah, because it's I I think it's super hard too, especially when it comes to that so on the one hand it's you don't just want to populate your games entirely with mad moxies but then on the other hand there are people who are mad moxies and that's okay but yeah when you have a like such a concentrated storytelling platform you kind of have to i don't want to say pick and choose representation because i don't like the sound of that but you have to be very careful about what you do I would argue at least with borderlands that is a game that is anti-subtlety Right. Oh, well, that's fair. Yeah. Right. You know, that's it is statement. Right. Yeah. In its violence, in its bazillion, gazillion guns, you know, right in the trailer. Right. Yeah. So, within the context, is it part of the gimmick that things are kind of one dimensional in, you know? It owns that, right? Right. I would argue that by having both Axton and Moxie, they kind of like karmatically balance each other out because yeah. it shows both sides of things. It's saying, like, <laughs> Hey, you can be by and be absolutely flamboyant and out there and whatever, or you can be by and just be a rugged badass. Do what you want. It's a very zen representation. <laughs> it's the yin and yang of bisexuality. I didn't know that Tiny Tina was a lesbian. Huh? Is I she? did not. Yeah, I. It's in the wiki. I did not know that. Oh, I didn't know that either. She had. I guess uh, I'd have to go back and look. I think she has a crush on Maya. What does that mean? Oh, that's right. Forgot about that, Lord. Yeah, I played too. It's tucked in there though, so that one's a little subtle, but also a really crazy character. So not that it has anything to do with her sexuality, but no, she's just crazy, bombastic. She's just crazy. She's the one that thinks crumpets are, in fact, crump, right? Or crunk. 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 I said crunk. You got so close to me. <laughs> and don't forget, every time you have a tea party, you have to have tomatoes. That's true. Right, exactly. Man, I've been playing Fire Emblem wrong then. (laughs) (laughs) I am severely lacking in grenades for my tea parties. At least you didn't try to come off as cool and know the word crunk. I'm going to, I'll just be like super uncool and admit that I haven't played any Borderlands. 
Crump is the British version of crump. It is. Is it? it is. No, no. No, it's not. not. Did I say that with such authority? She's trying to believe you. I'm so sorry. She's trying to, trying to cover for Dean. <laughs> Yeah, you had a diction, British dictionary there. Hey, man, language is evolving. Crump is a word now. <laughs> That's right. As of this podcast tonight. Let's get crump. Yeah, let's get crump. <laughs> let's get crumpy. Um, you brought up Fire Emblem. As I did. To do. I, yeah, see, I'm under contract. I have to mention it. <laughs> it's true. They'll arrest you otherwise. That brought up another good point. There are games like Fire Emblem, like Mass Effect, where your player character's sexuality is determined by kind of the choices you make in gameplay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the sexuality of other characters are based then on those choices that you make. Which I don't know. I don't know if I have an opinion on whether that is good or bad. It depends a lot for some of them, I think, because like Fire Emblem, anybody who would be gay is bi, so they're just like player sexual, which is cool because it's better than none. But then you have games like Dragon Age Inquisition, where everybody does have their own set orientations, which I feel like is probably more genuine to like a really structured narrative that yes. they actually have that set in their identity. And it's not just catered to like, what is going to give the player the most choice in their dating options. On the other hand, it is a video game. True. So you, I think there's, there's a, sometimes a balance between realism and a balance between fantasy. And it depends kind of on the game that you're going for and how mm. much fan service is involved, I think. Right, or how narrative heavy it is and how much is it. Because, well, that's the other problem is like, for instance, going through this list, I reached Overwatch and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. There was that big uh, reveal that Tracer was gay. And then I totally forgot that Soldier 76 is gay. That 100% left my mind. But that's not like, there's lore to the game. There are those trailer shorts that are excellent. But I mean, that is a game that is function. That Mm -hmm. is a game that is like- Uh entertainment so i feel like i don't want to say those things aren't important because they're still representation and they still matter but i mean but then on the other hand is it like is it retroactive fan pandering on occasion you know was it this character was created as a queer character or is it like i don't want to say jk rowling this early in but oh i know yes dumbledore is gay you know like is it is it like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and um, Mm i'm like that's that's so difficult i think for this conflict too it's like on the one hand like cool tracer's gay that's awesome we have lesbian representation like there's there's just tracer and then on the other hand it's like oh yeah but are you just doing that to like please us you know so like can like you show me the blueprints was she gay originally I, show me blizzard show me the receipts mm-hmm. but no and that is a worry because uh, representation is super important but it does cheapen it when it feels like there's I don't want to use the word pandering because I feel like that's a naughty word right now on the internet. But like, yeah, don't do it retroactive. Build it into the character originally. But how can you know? (laughs) I know. And that's the problem is once again, that circles back to what I was saying originally is unless they give you a character, they're like, here's Tracer. She can teleport. Also, uh, she's just got a cape that's a rainbow. So, you know, she's gay immediately. (laughs) Like, it's just... (laughs) I don't. This is the flag, such pandering. <laughs> I know. I just. It, well, I think that's the problem with media, whether it be you know TV shows or movies or stories, is that if we had the representation that we should, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it was normalized. Right. 
So how about I said for this podcast I was going to play Dream Daddy. Which is so exciting. Which I did. Yes. And so how about games where you, like I'm straight, I'm married, I have a son, but I'm playing a game where I am gay, right? And I have to make choices about who I'm going to date and why. I have a daughter, I'm I'm a dad, and it's not necessarily about the represent, you know, I'm not, I'm not so worried about, or I'm not so analytical about the representation of the gay character and the way it's interacting with another gay character as I am with who am I going to go on a date? Like I, it's built into video games that you are actively participating in the narrative. And this is forcing you in many ways to do that. But, you know, I think part of that is it kind of parallels something I was talking about before the show the internet has lost its its collective mind about the leaks with The Last of Us 2 because we have Ellie, who we find out in the DLC of The Last of Us, um, has a relationship with Riley, the young woman, who's left behind. And then there's a character, Abby, in Last of Us 2, who's trans and who's playable. And so, so much of the internet was basically saying you're pandering to the SJWs out there, first of all, of course. And second of all, I looked at a couple of sites who aggregated a lot of the tweets and said there are two things that are absolutely clear based on the response to Abby. She's not traditionally attractive in the way a female would be attractive. She's not cute. And she's playable. So you're gonna for you're really gonna force me to, you know, play a trans character or a yes. gay character. That is what everyone's losing their shit over. So what do you think of that? I'm so far removed from those corners of the internet because I don't yeah. have patience for it anymore. It's toxic bullshit, you know? It's like what? Who cares? Who cares? Is the story good? Is the music good? Is it actually playable? Are the graphics halfway decent? Are you having a good time? Who gives a fuck? just makes me so mad too as like growing up playing video games since I was a little kid Molly you'll probably relate to this where every goddamn character was a boy when you were a kid and I had to play all those do you know how my my heart shattered into a million pieces when I found Zero was a boy in Mega Man I thought it was a girl character I was so excited because he had long beautiful blonde hair and I was like yeah Zero I want to be Zero and then I found out he was a boy Eight-year-old me absolutely flipped my shit when Pokemon Crystal version came out because they're like, hey, you want to be a girl? And I was like, I do. I know. Like, I can I am. be a girl. They, oh, used to, they used to separate games, you know, like Harvest Moon. It was Harvest Moon you play as a boy and then Harvest Moon with a demeaning title as a girl. Like, this yeah. is Harvest Moon DS and this is Harvest Moon DS Cute. You just guess which one's the girl one. Uh, or yeah. this is like Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town and this is Harvest Moon More Friends of Mineral Town. Like, you can't, you just, you have to be, it's always extra. It's always the afterthought. And so to see then, like female or queer or any other non-cis white male character in the spotlight is super, super cool. Like, guess what? There's more people than just you on the planet. Who cares? We're out here. We want to play the game. And it's a thrill if you've not seen yourself in some way in a game to then see yourself in a game for the first time. Because that representation is lacking. And I think it would matter a lot less if, like you said, it were just something that was normalized. 
Right. I will say, so to transition, I just finished playing Night in the Woods because I, I wanted to play something specifically with an uh, LGBTQ character before we got on this podcast. And I went through the whole list and I saw Night in the Woods on there. And I've always wanted to play it because I, I know nothing about it, but I always thought highly recommended. And I loved it. I highly, highly recommend it. It's a super narrative-based uh, indie game that is not very challenging. It's kind of a platformer, but it's really just based on like exploring, talking to people, super interesting characters, super interesting dialogue. And the main character, May, is she's a hot mess. Just She's a college dropout, and she's just lost in life and just very interesting, like a super cool character to get in her shoes. But um, she steals, like, just, like, like steals pretzels from the pretzel stand or they go to the mall for fun and she's, like, they go into, like, the equivalent of a hot topic and she's, like, we got to steal something. And I'm, like, <laughs> me playing it, I'm, like, we can't steal anything. <laughs> We're uncomfortable. This is wrong. And I'm like, no, but it's like, this is May's whole character. She's very reckless and is like, we have to do it. It's an experience. I'm like, all right, we're doing it. And it was actually like a really cathartic experience. This game is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> how about games? How about games that get it wrong? Are there any? Did you guys come up with any that, that we are angry about, that we don't like, that we won't play? I mean, for me, anger is the wrong word. I'm disappointed a lot of times, but it's still a game that I feel is worth playing. Like for me, I'm currently playing through Persona 5 Royal, and there is one very specific scene that uh, was toned down a lot in the version I'm playing, where suffice to say, two gay men, I would argue drag queens, come along and essentially force one of the characters to come along with them. Mm -hmm. And... In the updated version, it's basically saying, like, oh, we'll dress you up, make you all pretty, et cetera, et cetera, which is less harsh than the original, which, to my knowledge, was implicit sexual assault. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was bad. Yeah. And it's played for laughs, which is yeah. the worst part. Like, haha, isn't sexual assault funny? Haha, queer characters are predators. Ha. Mm-hmm. Huh. Which is a shame, because... In the previous game, Persona 4, they had Kanji. Right, right. His whole struggle. His whole struggle is like, I feel attraction towards men, but society tells me this sort of thing. And based on your choices in the game, you can influence whether he is more more heterosexual or homosexual. How can you Kanji and then come into five? Yeah. So the the writers writers lost their minds between... Four and five, writers. <laughs> or maybe they lost writers. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the difference between Borderlands Two and Borderlands Three, because for me, Borderlands Two does a lot right, whereas Borderlands Three, even just like the main story narrative, I know they lost their head writer, and there's a lot of times where it feels just like they kind of lost their way. For example, when you go mm-hmm. to like the Swamp Planet and you go rescue Jacobs, he casually mentions having a partner. I'm like, oh, okay, he's gay. But on the other hand, it doesn't come across as this person is does whatever they do, and they also have to be gay. That felt very much like a pander to the audience. Mm, okay, okay. Like, look, look at our representation. Yeah, it was written more clunkily. Wasn't so very it. much, very mm. much. Yeah, there is. I, come to think of it, in Last of Us, the the you know triple A title. There's Bill, who's has his own town, has kind of blocked it off from the infected, and uses the infected as like a 
a gate against others who might come in. So there are all these booby traps all over. And you find that he ha- he talks about, he says to Joel, the main character, don't get attached to Ellie. I got I had a partner that I got attached to. And then later on, you stumble into this house and you see his partner has hanged himself. And it's a him. And there's a note left by him saying, I hated your guts. And you realize that they, they were a couple, you know, these two. They were not just partners in crime. They were partners. And that's underscored by the fact that Ellie, of course, maybe you'd call this sort of pandering or the same thing that you're talking about, Sarah. Ellie swipes a nudie magazine from Bill's stash and it's guys, you know. So if you if you if it wasn't clear by the time you leave Bill's town that Bill is a gay character. It's underscored by the fact that Ellie's holding this, you know, centerfold out in the car, and Joel's like, "Throw that out the window. That's disgusting," you know, kind of thing. That's, yeah, you're too young for that, you know. So, yeah, it's 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 a weird road, a weird line to walk to try to figure out and get it right. I, it's hard to judge because I feel like I don't know in a lot of these cases where we feel there's a shortfall that I'd have recommendation of how to make it better. Well, and it sort of trips on the usual, uh, there's a trope, I think, called barrier gaze, where it's like, yes, this character is queer, but guess what? We've killed off their love interest, or they're, like, revealed as queer just before they get killed or disappear off the face of the earth. Fridgedom. I think that's the uh, term they use on the internet. I can't remember. I think it's from, like, a show that did it with something involved with the refrigerator. But, yeah, you're yeah, only using queer characters as a crutch to make some sort of emotional impact by sacrificing them in the story. So is that like that? Or, I mean, I, I haven't played the game, so I'm, I'm not sure, but I can, I could see how it would be potentially concerning. I thought it was done. Okay. I just thought that I didn't need the extra little reminder. Bill survives in the game. You know, um, I didn't need the little guess what, in the car afterwards but maybe some people did and maybe they wanted to underscore the fact that these two were part partners you know and not just business partners kind of thing i don't know i kind of do want to talk about not just the good and the bad but the way that sort of a meta discussion how does this affect the way we play these games are we more critical or do we have kind of a sense of how politically charged they're going to be um, as a result of including these kinds of representations. And what do you think it does to these games? Molly brought it up earlier, the whole JK Rowling against the universe with her ridiculous tweets, Mm -hmm. the source material, the explosion around it, last of us two and so on and so forth. What is, how does that impact? Do you think the way we play the game and the way we experience the story? I want to say first that I think that things are improving. I think not just in like, you know, it's all the indie darlings that have some of the best representations, I think Mm. because they're not under pressure by, I don't know, corporate something or other to do something that they think will appeal to the widest audience and get them the most amount of money. But I think, I think overall it is improving because you have little things in little ways in all different kinds of games, like animal crossing, new horizons, 
for the first time ever is not, are you a boy or are you a girl? It's choose your style. Are you female presenting or male presenting? And it doesn't affect, it literally affects no aspect of the game. Everyone will keep referring to you as they pronouns. It makes no difference. You can wear dresses, you can wear mustaches, no matter who you are or what you're doing. It doesn't even lock you out of hairstyles. And so I think that was, uh, especially for Nintendo, oddly... I don't want to say inclusive because I feel like that's the wrong word too. But radical is radical yeah. the word you're looking yeah. for. <laughs> nobody, nobody has said anything about it, or at least not to my knowledge. But it's it's really neat. It's also done really like, like if it hadn't been pointed out to me, I don't know if I would have 100 percent noticed it. I just like all the options are available and they're not separated, so it's not like you're like, oh, it's letting me pick from the male options. There's just options, and they're not even presented really as male or female, which is just it's killer. It's awesome. Yes. Do you think? Do you think in some ways that's because the companies themselves try to generate press based on the inclusion of these kinds of representations, and in this case, they really didn't, and they didn't care about that, and they just said we're going to. Yeah, do I feel this. like it got no press. Like yeah. it's a really subtle feature that nobody. Like I feel like there was nothing to draw your attention to it, which I feel like also makes it just that much cooler because it doesn't feel like a stunt; it feels genuine. I mean, we live in a time when it's almost as if you know you put something out there so that a certain group of people can say, "Guess what they're doing," mm -hmm. you know. And then, the, and then there's this firestorm that shoots across the entire web, and we have to put up with these idiotic posts that appear on our Twitter mm -hmm. feeds and our Facebook walls for the next two months or whatever the case may be because a certain group of gamers are angry that they have to experience a gay relationship in their time playing whatever video game they're playing, right? Right. Yeah, I, I think in some ways it's maybe even the companies themselves. They want to say, hey, look what we're doing. And you know when you say, look what we're doing, people will look and there will be a bunch of people that will hate mm -hmm. what you're doing. That's the same thing with like if this was an, a, a normal Pride Month and there wasn't a million other things happening in the world. <laughs> um, usually this is when you would see all the brands slap all their rainbow merchandise out. And it's yeah. like... Oh, you you love to see support, but you have to question the motive. Rainbow capitalism. I know. Right, right, right. The podcast is getting depressing. No. Well, here I'll take a, <laughs> oh, a no. positive thing. Let's One go of the back things. To Dream Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I really liked about this playthrough of Night in the Woods is. I didn't know anything about the game and I, I really wanted to play it, but I went into it knowing that the main character was um, in this case, Pan. And it was a really interesting mental exercise for me as I'm continually trying to challenge a heteronormative lens that I, I know I view the world through and you try to do your best to be better. And it was a really interesting playthrough because you get pretty darn far in the game before there's just things that come up in conversation where you, you know, she talks about like uh, a dream date and she uses pronouns they and the person she's talking to says they and they go, yeah, girl, guy, doesn't matter. I dig people for, you know, them and mm. go to a party and she starts talking to a girl that she thinks is hot and, you know, regrets not getting her number. But she also had a boyfriend and they're, they're sewn in. They feel so natural but I also know if I hadn't come into the game through this portal, the first time it came up, I would have been surprised because uh. 
I would have just naturally assumed she was straight, which shame on me. And I'm trying to get better at that. But it is a great mental exercise then to try to Mm. change the way I think about the content I'm interacting with. So that's a good thing. That's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that just says it all. Yeah. (laughs) That's all we can do. Just, Just try to be better. Be better, make better games, play better games. I think uh, the noise, too, is important, too. Not necessarily the look what we're doing in the backlash, but even if it's not look what we're doing and things come up. And like like in the case of Persona, Persona 5, um, there was that problematic scene and people were so vocal about it that Atlas was like, hey, hey, look, look, we fixed it. And like they improved it, but it's not good still. But I think the point is that our voices are being heard and that as we are growing towards hopefully a more tolerant and acceptful, that's not a word, community. <laughs> we'll we'll make it a word. Accepting, that's it. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, it's a word that's quite crump. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the games industry is on the right track. Certainly. In sometimes <laughs> there's going to be, they're going to, there's a path through the woods and they're going to get lost a little bit on the way, but I feel like we're heading in the right direction overall. It's a winding trail, especially if all the voices in the trees are shouting, no, go left. <laughs> That's wrong. That's super wrong. <laughs> trip, watch out. Almost. <laughs> All right, I think we should end on that. We should end by being lost in the woods with people shouting <laughs> at us to be better. To be better people, yeah. The Poe is produced on that series of tubes we all know as the internet from the studios at Underdark, which doubles as my basement and office. You can listen on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, where we post new episodes every Monday. You can also find us at straylightmag.com, where we publish new short stories, poetry, art, and of course, podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at The Pub Podcast on Twitter. Thanks for listening to The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things narrative, story, and publishing. 